Welcome to Project Healing, a podcast about growth, authenticity, and difficult conversations. Here, you'll find a mix of real-life experiences, inspiring humans, and some spiritual insight. I'm your host, Jenna Krasinski, and I believe that we truly have to feel our pain in order to heal it. Community is a huge part of the process of healing, and I invite you to come along and dance through the ups and downs of life. This is Project Healing. Welcome back to Project Healing. I'm your host, Jenna Korzynski. Before we dive in today, I just want to take a moment to shout out my Patreons. Thank you so much for supporting the show and keeping it moving. If you want to join the Project Healing Patreon, you can join for as little as $5 a month. So there's my shameless plug for you. Today, I am not alone. I am joined by my beautiful friend, Alexis Radley. Alexis, say hello. Hey, (laughs) y'all. So Alexis is joining me today to share her personal story um, and to share her perspective on addiction and mental health within the family dynamic. So I'm just going to let Alexis kind of go through, tell her story. I'm just here for the show. I'm here for the ride, Alexis, as I told (laughs) you. Um, So I'm going to let you go ahead and go into it. I do want to say that this episode comes with a trigger warning um, because we are going to be talking about mental health. We are going to be talking about addiction um, and possibly some other heavy topics that um, may trigger some of my listeners. So um, there it is. So Alexis, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to finally connect with you on this platform because we've only talked about this pretty much since Project Healing started. So yeah, there's that. This is exciting. I like it. It's taken a while, but it's okay. Um, We had this weird thing happen where we um, kept trying to connect and then like (laughs) it just wasn't like something would happen with her, something would happen with me. And then finally I was like, okay, I'm putting you in the books. It's going to be set in stone. Here's the date. And um, then you reached back out to me and this is a very significant date for you. So it do you is. mind, do you mind sharing about that a little bit? And then, yeah. So today is the seven year anniversary of my mom's passing. Well, oh, I've been holding it in all day, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's what we're here um, for. Let it out as needed. Yeah. So seven years ago today, she unfortunately let her addiction and mental health issues win and uh she left this beautiful place called earth and joined all these fun spirits that we have now on the other side i'd like to point out just alexis is also intuitive so (laughs) (laughs) she um you know when we connect to spirit in the way that we do sometimes the way that we speak about our experiences of spirit we can come off like almost like we're like (laughs) Like Like we're disconnected from it, but that's just because we're used to it. It's not something, um, that's unusual for us. So, um, so Alexis has the beautiful ability to be able to connect to her spirits and angels as well. Um, and yours, if you'd like it. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? All right. So it it was crazy to me that this is the anniversary. We've been friends for a few years, but Mm -hmm. if 
you know me, Alexis knows me. I can't even remember my first name half the days. So I did not, I did not recall that this was a significant date for her. And the fact that we're sitting down to talk about this experience on this day, I think is, is huge. Um, but I know that that can also come with a lot of emotions. So just know that um, I have my box of tissues sitting here next to me. And if you need yours, um, I can't offer them to you through the screen, but. And virtually just. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So go ahead and go Ooh. ahead and get started. Where. Uh... How do I start with that? Yeah. That's a mess. I guess I'm going to start with. I first kind of noticed her mental health issues play a big part in not just her own life, but within the family when I was probably about seven or eight and sorry, my dog's like insane. Okay. <laughs> um, and it really started when I first got diagnosed with anxiety and depression at such a young age. And it kind of, I don't know if it was a trigger for her or what it was, but she was just not having it. And I really kind of noticed that spiral within her when I was that young and it took on a life of its own as I'm sure everybody with, you know, mental illness or some sort of addiction or whatever you want to call it has noticed that it kind of just takes over and she wasn't the same. Therefore it in turn turned me into somebody that I don't even remember. And it kind of sucks. But at the same time, like, I'm pretty grateful for it. And it took a long time for me to get to that point. So fast forward a couple of years, I was just dealing with my own issues. My depression was a really big one growing up to the point where her and I would argue consistently, consistently. And it was so bad. Literally would just not couldn't even be within the same house for more than 10 minutes. And it just, it took a toll. It really did. And then I turned 15 and I unfortunately had an experience with an ex of mine that caused me to have a beautiful, gorgeous little child of mine now. But um, it was very traumatic, very much so relating to the PTSD. And it kind of triggered her in a sense to where she was spiraling to the point to where the addiction took over and the addiction took over the mental illness and took over her and she let it win. So it went from the time I was about 15 to the time I was 17. It was two weeks before my 18th birthday and pills were her thing hundred percent. And it was just rough. I threw her in jail. She pressured on me. She took my kid for like three days. Nobody could find her. And witnessing that with in the family was really rough because I was also that one that stepped up when she couldn't be there. So it was just dealing with all of that at such a young age. I feel like within the family dynamic really kind of just changed my way of thinking with a lot of things as well. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. 
So you mentioned that when you were around seven or eight, that's when you were diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And you said that like, she wasn't having it. When you say that, do you mean like that she was in denial that you were experiencing those things? Or was it more that that sent like it upset her to the point where it made her mental health state worse? Or was it kind of a combination of both? I feel like it was a combination of both because Mm. she was very like anti-counseling. Like I'm going to handle it on my own. If I can't handle it, then it is what it is. It's kind of my way or the highway. So when I expressed to her and when the doctor expressed to her that it would be helpful for me to be on, you know, some anti-anxiety medicine or to get counseling outside of school or anything like that. She was just completely, I really feel like in denial, but at the same time, again, like it escalated her to the point where she was triggered because nobody did that for her. Oh yeah. So you started receiving treatment for your diagnosis Mm -hmm. before she received any treatment then. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So I, I feel like it was a trigger for her in a way, but at the same time, like listening to my grandparents speak, spoiled child she's the only child she literally got everything she wanted she had grandpa wrapped around her little finger and literally never had any issues other than the fact that she saw my grandfather drink a little too much one night and that was it like other than that she never had issues in school like except for her reading a little bit like she was straight a student literally like perfect kid perfect kid so where it all stemmed from I think was honestly the adoption because she was adopted and she didn't know anything about her biological family on either side, her maternal or her paternal side. So I feel like that was what triggered it, essentially. Did she know um, that she was adopted her whole life, or did she not know that until she was older? I really want to say that she knew that as soon as she was old enough to understand what it meant. I see. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that was really really a triggering thing for her because like when I had my son I was very much so like I'm 15 years old I'm not about to sit here and take care of a kid when I'm a kid myself like I I can't do that you know what I mean like I had cheerleading I had a I had a d1 scholarship for cheerleading that I wanted to do so bad and I wanted to go for it and she literally was sitting here one day with me and we were in the truck actually on my way home from my first ultrasound And she had this conversation with me that I will never forget that I can't sit here and make that decision by myself. And I need a support system. Absolutely. 100%. And she goes, you don't want him to grow up feeling the same way about you that I felt about my parents and why they couldn't love me and why they couldn't take care of me and why they couldn't understand that I needed them. And just all this other stuff. And to this day, like that conversation still, it triggers me a little bit because I'm like, you sit here and you tell me that, but yet you understand that you have such a loving family here. So like what, what's going on? Right. But in that moment though, it probably, even though you were, you were, you were 15 at that time. Mm -hmm. So it, on one hand it may have helped you to understand her better but I can see as like a 15 year old 
you know, pregnant teenager, you were probably like, you didn't see that at the time. It was all probably the latter, which you had said is like, why would you project this onto me Mm -hmm. instead of like being here and helping me through it? What was her response? Like when she found out that you were expecting, was that rough or did it go? Okay. It, I honestly don't remember much of it. Mm. Um, she got married actually two weeks prior to me finding out I was pregnant. And when I was pregnant, I had my period every single month. I lost 45 pounds. I was still doing cheerleading. Like I was not pregnant. (laughs) Like there was no physical way that a child could be there at all. So I was at her wedding and I literally blew up like a basketball and everybody was asking her, is she pregnant? Like what's going on? Like, is she okay? And then two weeks later, took me to the doctors and, uh, Hey, you're seven and a half months pregnant, but yeah. So there's that. So I was with my stepdad because I did not want my mom to take me and he called her on the way home and she was actually driving back to the house because she had just taken my grandma to the store and he goes are you driving she said yes when should I pull over he goes I would pull over now unless you want to wait until I get home he goes no I'm gonna pull over he goes Alex is seven and a half months pregnant and she just started crying and hung up the phone whether it was a good cry or a sad cry I don't know but it was there and literally that was the first time when I got home that was the first time in probably 10 years that I got a hug from my mom first and last so happy I'm assuming sad disappointed whatever I don't know but I also found out that night that uh she was a teen mom herself so I feel like it connected us a little bit but definitely drove that stake a little deeper so there's that and it yeah my grandma though my grandma didn't talk to me for two months literally two days before I went into labor is finally when she was like okay like do you need anything are you okay so she was she was very very disappointed my grandma was my rock she still is like I I absolutely love her my mom was very very absent growing up to the literally to the point like until I got pregnant, like would tell me that she was not my mom. She didn't want me just very narcissistic, very emotionally abusive, verbally abusive, and caused a lot of PTSD within myself, a lot of depression and anxiety. So my grandma was really the one that was there. So for her not to talk to me was, that was a really big, uh, like stake in the heart there. Yeah, because your grandmother essentially was like your mom, right? Yeah. Your grandmother raised you. So, mm-hmm. okay. So I didn't, I, I guess I didn't realize that, that um, even though um, your mom was present in your life, she wasn't fully present in your life. Yeah. So I can see how you weren't necessarily exposed to all of um, like the mental health issues or the addiction mm-hmm. issues that she was dealing with because you had alternate an alternate form of care, yeah. which is a blessing, but is also, it can also be hard to just like she had those abandonment issues. Is that mm-hmm. something that you felt as well is like that? Oh, abandonment? Yeah. I still do. Absolutely. 100% to this day. Like I, I have healed from a lot of it. I can't lie. I'm still, 
very triggered by certain things with that. And as much as I have processed her passing and I've processed how she has felt because I've, I've taken myself through it. And as a mom and as just a person who suffers with mental illness and addiction, so to speak, um, I get it. I absolutely get it. Like 100% understand, but at the same time, I'm like, I can't imagine treating my child the way that she treated me. So it's still very, very, very triggering. Yeah. What were some of the things that you had that helped you move through these energies like as a child? Like what were, you said you cheered. So I I know for me, dance was a huge outlet. So was cheer a big like escape for you? Yep. Cheer was my escape. Dance too. I cheered and danced for 15 years on and off. Like cheer would start, dance would end. So I would literally just go through the cycle. Um, Sports was a really big thing for me growing up. It kept me in shape, number one. So I didn't have to hear her mouth about, oh my God, you're gaining weight. And then um, it just kept my mind busy. It kept me out of the house. I didn't have to see her. I didn't have to deal with her. I made a lot of friends. Like I am a social butterfly. (laughs) You can take me to the store and I'll make friends within three minutes. It's insane. Um, So that was a really big thing. And finally, once I got to that age, like sports just took over and my friends took over and I was here maybe one day a week for like three hours. So that was definitely a big outlet for me. And then um, sleeping the depression kind of took over. And I even still to this day, I'm almost 25. I can sleep 15, 17 hours a day. It's insane. I'm like a sloth. (laughs) I'm like a sloth. (laughs) sloth. It's great. But yeah, so that was sleeping. Honestly, depression is my addiction. It is. And it's so weird how they go hand in hand for me. But I also found when she passed food, food turned into my addiction. And so did caffeine and the ability to tell people no because when I was little dealing with all of that and the narcissism and all of the abuse and all this other stuff I was never able to sit here and be like no I'm not going to do that right so the uh the authority (laughs) telling no to authority is definitely something that I'm still working through Yeah, that's the type of thing that it can be a yeah. blessing and can be really good for you, but it can yeah. also land you in the wrong conversations at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so I totally, I totally understand that. You know, it's interesting. Like, I didn't think of this before, but I'm thinking of it now as we're discussing it. So, as adults, obviously, hindsight is 2020. We start to learn about ourselves and in in learning about ourselves, we learn about the people around us, right? So now you can look at what your mom experienced and go, oh, wow, she was anxious. She was depressed. She was battling her own demons. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a child, you don't have that same radar. Like you don't have that awareness. Um, So like, I don't know where I was going with this. See, I just had the squirrel moment. And there goes the squirrel. And then I right. lost it. There it goes. Um, let me try to back this up here. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Oh, I was talking about like the awareness of like mm-hmm. that you have as an adult versus that you have as a child. So if you could tell, um, and I'm sure you've done this in your healing as many of sure us have, have, but if you could tell your inner child some things about that relationship with your mother, like what would you offer yourself now knowing what you know about what she 
you know, dealt with. Oh, that's, I know I went real that, deep that there, didn't the I? There, Jen. I went the real spot. deep there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have done more than several inner child healings and I can never heal that part. I truthfully don't know if I ever will be able to because I, I still feel like there's that part that I don't understand Yeah, about how somebody can just literally blatantly tell their child that they don't want to. But I feel like if I really sat here and the one thing that keeps coming up is that when I grow up and when I get older, I have so much love to give and I have so much love that is given to me every single day. And I am so beyond blessed with everything else in my life that I don't need to worry about her because she is not okay. And I'm trying to be okay. So for me to be okay, I need to let her go. And I need to process the fact that, yeah, it sucks and it fucking hurts and it's a mess. It's okay to not be okay and to realize that that is a boundary. And that boundary needs to be drawn. And like, I got goosebumps, holy hell. (laughs) And to just process it. And just love yourself the way that you needed to be loved from her and just be happy with it, essentially. Like, if that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I I think the one thing that, like, I want to offer your your inner child, and this is what I share with my inner child a lot, is it's it's not your fault. None of it. That is the biggest one, too. Yeah. None of it was your fault. And we... You know, for anybody that's listening to this that, that feels the same way that Alexis does, that I do, that we're like, oh, I'm my inner child is never going to be healed. You're right. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Because that the things that we experienced, it's never going to go away. It's just that our level of awareness changes as mm-hmm. we grow through these things. So what I love about you, Alexis, is that you have this way of being able to kind of shape shift from that wounded inner child back to that like healed, like badass, grown ass <laughs> warrior mom. And, and you're not afraid to show up as you are in each yeah. moment. And I think that for a lot of us, I also have anxiety and depression and masking is a huge thing. Huge. And we, we mask so much because mm-hmm. we're afraid that we're going to be judged for being, sad or being mm-hmm. nervous or being like feeling like you know the CIA is after us or whatever right, yeah. into our <laughs> into our line of vision and um even through everything that you've been through you you manage to still show up as you are moment to moment and that is like that speaks volumes to your own growth and and what you've accepted within yourself so i just feel like I'm the best so thanks <laughs> <laughs> thank oh. you to you for uh helping me get there yeah it's I I mean you've all I mean from the moment that I met you though like I was like wow this chick is a, a little warrior like you know there there's this piece of you that is able to witness the quote unquote damage mm-hmm. um but also like own it and and that yeah people run from the things that Mm -hmm. you speak about. And I think that it's important. Now I want to kind of 
go into yeah, like, the addiction side of this because um, I'm interested to hear like your perspective. Were you aware that your mom was battling addiction before you lost her? I had a clue when I was in labor. And when I was in labor with my son, she was literally so high to the point where she passed out and just fell on the floor. Oh, wow. Literally in the middle of labor, like 10 centimeters, like pushing this child out, like looks at me and she goes, I'm tired. Eyes roll in the back of her head. She passes out. And I hadn't been around it because I didn't surround myself with anybody in high school who was doing drugs, like legitimately smoking weed, no nothing. I was a huge drinker. Drinking was my thing. So I kind of knew how that looked, but I didn't know honestly how being high looked essentially. Like I didn't know your eyes got super red and droopy. Like I didn't know that you could literally nod in and out of consciousness. Like I had no idea about any of that. So I kind of bitched her out after that one because like, Hey, you're the only one in the room right now. Like what the hell, what are you doing? Um, so after that, it was kind of an up and down battle. So that was really the kickoff of it. And then after she passed, I actually learned from her ex-husband that she was battling addiction with pills, um, from the time that she married him when I was nine years old. Yeah. So, so did that help you understand more about the relationship dynamic at that point when you found out that she had also been dealing with substance abuse issues on top of her other? Absolutely. 100%. Wow. Yeah. Literally, I was speechless when he told me that I was like, like, what do I say to that? You know, like it, it took me a very long time to process that as well. Like, I, I don't think I truly processed that until after she finally passed away and I was able to intuitively connect with her. And she literally, like, walked me through the weeks leading up to her passing and then her passing. And it finally clicked. It was kind of like the epiphany for me. Like, holy shit, dude. Like, you were not okay. Like, I, I absolutely, like, I get it now. I get it why you didn't want to be here. Like why you felt like you needed to go. Like, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You have turned your experiences around and now you pour your energy and efforts back into our community. I do. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that because while it's probably very therapeutic, it could probably also be triggering for you. Is that, Absolutely. is that accurate? hundred percent. Um, the very first time I went out with the volunteer group that I go out with, you know, we clean up around Rochester and pick up needles and paraphernalia and stuff like that and get people in active addiction or homeless people on the streets into rehab or shelter or whatever. Um, very first time we went out, we went out to this house. And I will never forget it. It was on the east slash west side of the city. And we literally walked in. It was this gorgeous abandoned mansion, like Rome painted ceilings with the little angels and the chandeliers and the clouds. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and the first thing I see on the table in front of me is I'm not even kidding. A hundred plus pill bottles, pills all over the floor, all over the table, half of them full, half of them not. And then I see a Bible ripped to shreds and I walked out because that was the first time that I really 
had any sort of acclimation to being around medications like that again since her passing and I couldn't do it to this day I still will not take anything unless I absolutely need it you know like if I have a migraine or something those fancy little oils work wonders man (laughs) I refuse refuse if I have if I have to go to the doctor for something just know that it took me like a week and a half to get there (laughs) Because it is still so triggering for me because addiction runs on both sides of the family for me. Ooh, and and I, can, noticed... I can see how, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, you're good. It's I can see how that, like going to the doctor, I'm just thinking of like my experiences at the doctor. And it's like, every time you tell them you have anything, the first, Medication. yeah, the first response mm-hmm. is always a prescription. I hadn't really thought about that for people that, you know, have these traumas and triggers that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Like I just this- recently took my son to the doctor because he's experiencing, you know, some anxiety and some attention stuff in school. So I was like, can we just do an eval and kind of see where we're at, you know, with his teacher between us at home and whatever. And he goes, yeah, absolutely. And then the next appointment, we'll talk about medication. I was like, excuse me. No, you're not putting my, my, my nine-year-old on fucking Adderall. You're not doing it. I'm sorry. Absolutely not. Because I know, especially like addiction runs on my mother, my mother's and my father's side, and also his mother and father's side, like of right. my son's dad. So, it, nope, Mm-mm. yeah, not doing it. That was that was very triggering for me. I walked out of there in tears. I did. Yeah, and that's the thing is like for sometimes like if we have an aversion to using prescriptions for treatment. It's not that we're like anti-medication. Like that's that's not what it is. It's that like we've seen the other side of what Mm -hmm. that looks like if someone cannot, you know, abuses yes what what it's what it's there for um Mm -hmm. so I can understand that and you know I never thought about that how that is going to play a role in a lot of your a lot of different aspects of your life because Mm -hmm. you know your employer's got to understand your triggers your um uh your doctor's office and your kid's doctor your pediatrician's got to understand um, or at least have some sort of awareness if they're going yeah. to serve you the way that you need to be served. And I can see how now like this can trickle into many different areas of life. So are you like upfront about it or do you just kind of oh, wait absolutely. until like, oh, okay, well now that this conversation is here, I need to tell you like, I'm not about this because how does, oh, how does no, that go 100% for you? Upfront, like in their face, like the minute I walk in, I'm like, listen, I'm not taking a prescription unless I absolutely need to. And if I absolutely need to, then I better be damn near dying mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm not doing it. You're not putting my kid on anything. You're not putting me on anything, nothing. Like if I got a really bad toothache or, you know, like an ear infection or something that needs an antibiotic, right? most of the time, 95% of the time I know. Right. And I will 100% try every single home remedy possible before I go to the doctor. So my PCP knows very straightforward what happened with my mom. My son's doctor, he's an older gentleman. So he's very kind of a set in his ways, but he's open to the conversation. So every time that we go in, you know, and we have the conversation about anxiety and his counseling and all that stuff and whatever, you sure you don't want to try medication? No, I don't. He's fine. Okay. Just throwing it out there. It's an option. Yes. I'm fully aware. Um, 
I have found though that anxiety medication helps me very much to slow down and process my thoughts more. So I was again, very anti-anxiety medication. And I was actually at work one day a couple years ago and I was triggered very, very hard to the point where I went in the bathroom and had a panic attack for 20 minutes. And at that point I was like, okay, something's got to give here. Cause I can't do this. So I tried a couple different ones and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not doing it. I can't do it because I'm just, I'm going to end up needing them. And if I need them, then I'm going to get addicted to it. And it was like a full cycle for me. And I was like, I can't do this shit. And I finally took them and I noticed a difference within a month. And I was like, wow. Like, I don't, I don't ever want to go back to that person I was without them, which is crazy to say, because like that addiction, again, it's like, holy hell, you know? And I just don't understand why she was so against that. Going back to that whole full circle thing with all of that. So yeah, it's very, I'm very upfront with everybody about it. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Well, what yeah. was it that she was against? She was against meds, you're saying? Or everything. Counseling, medications. Oh, like I see. Everything. Any type of help that could possibly be helpful for me, completely against. Now, my sister, totally different story. That was her baby. That was her favorite. Whatever she wanted, she got. It. She needed anti-anxiety medication. She got it. She needed counseling. She got it. So that was, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I can see how like that's going to shape all of Mm -hmm. your experiences. Um, How does your experience with like what you lived through and what you witnessed with, with your mother's mental health and addiction issues, how, what role does that play in your parenting? That is who I am. You know, that literally made me who I am. Um, I still have a very long way to go <laughs> in being a better parent. We all I can't do. Lie to you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I, I'm not the best parent in the world. I'm definitely not. Like, I'm still finding myself acting certain ways that she did about certain situations. You know, my son loves video games. I can't stand the fucking things. Like I literally think that they are the vein of my existence. And I found myself the other day, like going to raise my voice a little bit. And I kind of pulled myself back and I was like, why are you doing that? You know? So it's definitely coming in here and there. Um, now, even still back when I first had him, I was just like her, like he was attached to my hip, just like I was to her everything and anything that he wanted as a baby, he would get like up until the point he was about five years old. And then my grandma took over. That's her baby. (laughs) I was working, I was in school, you know, she was able to help me still. And my mom was not so that she took over. And unfortunately, that played a big role in molding me a little bit more too as a mother, because I've noticed that that was what my mom did. My mom didn't want to be here. She had to go do something or whatever. Grandma would watch us. Grandma would take care of us. Right. So it's, it's very much so unlearning all of those healthy patterns from her now. And just even recognizing it for me too, I've noticed is like a really big thing. Like I'll look back on a lot of the stuff that she does as a parent and I'll be like, oh yeah, no, (laughs) 
Right. Isn't I find it interesting, like, walking yeah. into parenthood, like, we already have our, like, list of hell no's. Like, we're, mm-hmm. like, like, those of us that have Literally, been through traumas, yeah. like, we've already had our list. Like, these things will not happen. But mm-hmm. the truth is, and nobody can they run do. from this truth, is you do not know until you're living it. Because, like exactly. Alexis was just saying, you get to those parallels and you start mm-hmm. seeing those parallels. And you go, oh my gosh, I am, I'm doing the same thing, but maybe in a different way. But mm-hmm. the difference is, again, coming back to that awareness, because we now can go and say, ah, I noticed that I did that. I don't mm-hmm. want to be that way. So now how can I fix this? And I, yes. I personally, within our friendship, I've witnessed you doing that with your son on uh, several different occasions mm-hmm. where you were like, ah, this happened. And then you were like, oh, I need to like, how am I going to adjust now? Yeah. And w- one thing that I will say, just like friend to friend and and witnessing you in your role as motherhood is that even when you maybe can't be fully present, you're always conscious of putting his mm-hmm. needs ahead of yours. That is one thing that is always has always been true for you is you're conscious of his needs. Thank you. Um, (laughs) And you're welcome. Um, And that's huge. And I think that in itself is breaking a cycle, right? That 100% because she, my mother with me was never like that ever. Very selfish and love her to death, but she was very much so like, oh, I need to go to the store. So I'm going to go to the store because I need stuff. My grandma would be like, okay, well, we need this and this for the kids. Oh, it can wait. It can wait. I'm like, okay, they need it. I'm going right now. Like, say less. Let's go. <laughs> We're going yeah. to the store right now to go get it. Like, I literally, I don't usually do their winter shopping until right now. I did it three weeks ago. So I'm like, I know they're going to need it. It is what it is. Like, let's just go. My grandma's like, oh, you got that done early. Sure did. Yeah. Because they need it. Yeah. All right. Let's let's I would like to hear your words of wisdom for our Oof. audience. Um, if there was one thing that you could offer to anyone that is is um, currently or formerly dealing with a family member that struggles with mental health issues or even addiction, what is it that you what advice can you offer them um, when they're feeling overwhelmed by that? Be gentle with yourself. Mm. 100% be forgiving with yourself. Set those boundaries. Know when to call for help. And just know that silence is the biggest killer. So if you don't hear from that friend for 12 hours, 14 hours, you better go show up at their house knocking on the door and be like, yo, are you, are you good? Like, what's going on? Show up for them just like how you'd want somebody to show up for you. And show up for yourself the same way. Thank you. That mm-hmm. that's deep in more ways than one. Yeah. Um, but I think that's really, really solid. So thank you for sharing Definitely. all of that. We're going to yeah. shift gears. Well, maybe, I don't know. Hey. These conversation cards have a way of yeah. somehow right, aligning with the it. conversation sometimes. So we're going to, yeah. we're going to shift gears to wrap this okay. up and we're going to do a conversation card and just kind of see what pops up for yeah, us. All right. Here for it. <laughs> you're gonna love this one oh yeah an emotional intelligence card and it says what emotion do you find most tricky to express 
happiness for mm. myself. Yeah, because I I still very much live with the whole mental illness. Like I'm clinically bipolar, so I don't know how I'm going to feel one minute to the next. And happiness for me seems to be the most triggering and the most difficult because there's that little voice in the back that's like, hey, you're not supposed to be like that. You're supposed to be miserable. So breaking that and expressing that is definitely, definitely mine. That's so interesting because mine is anger. Mine yeah. is anger. For me, expressing anger is hard. Um, it, not hard in that it's hard for it to come out of me. Because let me right. tell you, <laughs> if it's got to come out, it's going to come out. Exactly. I, I always have a lot of regret around expressing mm-hmm. my anger. And for me, that's because I've lost so many people suddenly and I've had a few suicide losses. Mm-hmm. And so I always worry that my anger may affect someone on a deeper level. So yeah. I, if I have the time to practice the pause, I may swallow my own feelings mm-hmm. for the sake of someone else. And if I don't have the time to practice the pause and I freaking lash out, then I find myself either backpedaling or making excuses Mm -hmm. for the way I portrayed that anger. Um, And we know that anger is just another mask for pain, right? So um, when we've grown up and lived in this way that like we're not supposed to like share and Mm -hmm. everything's a secret, right? You know? Those big emotions Mm -hmm. can be hard to um, connect to authentically. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Oh, all right. That wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. So we got off the hook there with that one, I feel like. (laughs) All right. Okay. (laughs) Well, Alexis, I want to thank you again for being here, for being raw, being real, um, telling your story in your words. And I know that there is so much more to unpack. Um, and I'd love to have you back on at any point if you feel the need to vent or if you just want to dive deeper into anything and, um, sending you and your family so much love on such a difficult day. Um, and I'm happy for you that you have the ability to connect in the way that you can, um, or that you need to, when you want to, that sounded weird, but you know what I mean? I appreciate you. Uh, All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Project Healing. And as always, always, I guess always, keep dancing through your healing journey. (laughs) Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Project Healing. If you'd like to connect with any of my guests, please check the show notes for their contact information. If you are loving the show, I'd be honored if you would head over to iTunes or Facebook to leave me a review. If you'd like to support the show, you can head to patreon.com backslash project healing and learn about my different patron tiers and how you can support the show and also invest in yourself and your healing process. Remember, you have to feel your pain in order to heal it.